Three, two, one. Hello. Uh, welcome everyone to our pilot episode of There Will Be Bugs. I am one of your hosts, Ben, and I'll have our other host introduce themselves. Uh, I am Zilla. And Zilla, do you want to tell us a little uh, about yourself? Sure. So I am uh, an artist and I don't know anything at all about bugs. I didn't study ecology. I maybe don't even like bugs that much, but I'm, I'm developing an appreciation. Great, and you're here as kind of to represent the general public in, in this. Yeah, I'm like the, the man on the street of, of bugs. Um, and I, am a master's student at the University of Kentucky studying entomology. I got my undergrad degree in environmental biology, um, and I also work for Cornell in their IPM department. So I've seen a few bugs. I've been on the street, the, the <laughs> bug street. Yes, yeah, so we have much bug and no bug. So. Um, today's episode is going to be about katydids. Um, we will talk specifically about one species of katydids, but I'll give a general overview of katydids in general. And um, and then at the end, I'm going to do a little case study that I found um, about katydids. So I will say that these katydids are like one of the cuter bugs out there for sure. They've got such a pretty color. They look like a leaf, like there's nothing offensive about this bug. Yeah, I've, I feel like they're a really good model bug to get the public involved with them because they're not they're not really pests they're they don't bite they don't sting they're not uh, gooey yeah they're really just kind of there um are any bugs gooey a, a lot of larvae but uh, uh anyways we're talking about katydids and um just to start they're in the order orthoptera that includes grasshoppers crickets and katydids um, ortho meaning straight and uh, terra meaning wing. So they're the straight winged insects. But more specifically, it's referring to the papery forewing that conceals the hind wings because um, insects have two sets of wings. A four wi uh, most insects have two sets of wings, a forewing and a hind wing. And um, the forewing for Orthoptera is notably straight and papery. Do katydids fly? Uh, we'll get to that. Okay. It's it's a little complicated. Um, but uh, katydids are in the family. Uh, I, mean, I can fly in a complicated. <laughs> I guess so. You know, I guess anything anything can fly in a complicated sense. Okay. Uh, they belong to the family uh, Tetragonidae. This is the longhorned grasshoppers. This refers to that uh, the long antenna that they have. So if you're thinking of like a grasshopper um, and then like a, a term for certain grasshoppers is locust. Uh, if you notice, they'll have short antenna compared to katydids. Katydids have these really long antenna that can be uh, the length of their body or even longer. They are uh, flattened laterally like grasshoppers. So that means that they're if you look at them from a top view, they're very thin. Um, like a popsicle stick. Yeah, they're, they are. They're like a, a popsicle stick, a, a singing popsicle stick. They're, and then within this family, uh, Tetagonidae, 
there's a subfamily, uh, Pseudophilinidae, uh, or excuse me, uh, Pseudophilinae. Uh, this contains the true katydids, um, specifically the species that we're going to be talking about, the uh, Terraphila camillifolia. Uh, um, this is the true katydid. It's the only species in the north um, east that is known for its iconic Katie did, Katie didn't song. These Katie dids have strongly convex wings that completely surround the abdomen of the insect. So if you imagine basically if you take two spoons and uh, like put them together, that uh, this kind of like shell of a wing uh, of wings uh, completely conceals their their body. Wait, can I go back to their song for a second? Yes. Because I feel like this time of year, you're like, I can hear the Katie dids, and I don't know if they just sound like screeching or if I can't discern them from the screeching. Uh, so they'll usually have a, a rhythmic kind of song where it's, I, this is going to sound horrible in an audio medium, but <laughs> they do do that. It, it, it's a very um, um, rhythmic and uh, purposeful where like crickets will kind of just like start up their call and just like go on for a while where Katie dids will have um kind of these beats to their to their song okay. at least the the true Katie did does the, uh, the true Katie did also is a fairly elusive insects the males and females uh, stay high in treetops um so this species isn't commonly seen it's commonly heard but there's the um there's the brush katydids which are another subfamily of of um tetagonidae where they're more commonly uh, seen than the true katydid um so the subfamily uh phanoropterinae the brush yeah. katydid i know <laughs> you know no one really knows how to speak latin so uh, I'm sure I'll I'll take uh, I'll take some critiques, but does anyone really know how these are supposed to be pronounced? Spoken like a true scientist. Yeah, <laughs> just say it with conviction, and people will will believe you. Um, these katydids are seen on low vegetation in late uh, summer and fall, and they kind of have these blade-shaped wings that extend past their abdomen. So if you think of um, what kind of a grasshopper's wings look like. They, they're um, these long and thin blade-like wings that, that don't resemble the true katydid whatsoever. Um, they're, they're a completely different physical look to them, um, but they still have the long antenna that are, um, you know, could be the length of their, their bodies, uh, again, this is this the bush katydid did is more commonly seen because it's it doesn't spend its whole uh, entire life like up in treetops. Uh, both both these subfamilies of katydids uh, will the the females will commonly have a really large ovipositor that uh, looks kind of like a dagger. Uh, again, like I said at the beginning, we're gonna focus more on the true katydid, did, the Terraphila uh, camillifolia. I mostly picked this one because I, I like their song. 
that uh, that you hear around this time. You know, we started hearing it uh, a week or two weeks ago, uh, and I'm uh, we're in upstate New York, and it it, it just remind it. It's one of those things I always kind of associate with the the changing of the seasons. So once you start getting into late August, and things are starting to get cooler at night, um, the days are getting a little sh shorter. Uh, you know, you start hearing the katie dids we're like you know early in the summer um we kind of have the uh the fireflies or lightning bugs to look forward to fireflies because i'm basic <laughs> but they're cool they're such cool bugs i grew up in california and i thought that fireflies were like fake <laughs> until i was like a teenager <laughs> yeah and it's just one of those things that we we see they're so growing cool. up all the time and so to go more on the morphology of the the true Katie did um, these cup like wings that that disguise the insect it's it, they're supposed to look like foliage that is their main um, their main protection against predators is they're supposed to blend in very well and they do if you it, unless you kind of, I've had instances where if I didn't know exactly where it was it, it's so easy to pass over them because even the venation in the wings looks like venation in, in plant leaves and uh it's really they really quite, do it's yeah, really quite, it's quite incredible i found one on the floor of the garage the other day and that was easy because <laughs> it was so green <laughs> <laughs> the, the so kind of you asked about flying earlier the katie did usually moves by walking and they're and they're slow walkers too um, but they can jump and, but they only usually jump when they're frightened and they have like when I tried to catch the one in the garage the other day, Yeah, <laughs> I tried to catch him to show him to you and hopped right away. Uh, they'll do that. And they, they have these wings, but they're not very effective flyers. Uh, they use their wings more for just landing after jumping. So if they, if they're up in the treetops and they get startled, and they'll deploy their wings basically and use it more as a uh, a parachute to to land somewhere purposeful they the, so their diet they consume the leaves of deciduous trees that's not too surprising um they you know most orthopterans are you know defoliators i know that seems like an extreme term for because uh, they don't completely defoliate things, but uh, you know they have these chewing mandibles that they're able to crush up leaf matter and, and ingest it. Um, katydids are prey for um, snakes, birds, and other treetop predators. Besides that, katydids are a pretty generic species, I guess, for lack of better terms. Um, they again, they're not a big, they're not a pest. Um, no one's ever like, oh, we need to, we need control measures for Katie Dids. They're destroying everything. And they're not, so they're not economically important. They are just a very, I don't, I don't want to use the term plain, but I guess for like the general public eyes, they are a very plain and uneventful species. Which and, I think might be what the general public appreciates in a bug, you know. Yeah, that's true. They, I guess, I guess the general public doesn't really want a, because something I like a bug that I would consider is that's like exciting is, um, I don't know. I've, I find the emerald ash borer exciting, but it's a economic catastrophe, uh, economic and ecological uh, catastrophe. But 
Unlike the cute and unoffensive Katie did. Yeah, yeah. You have the cute and unoffensive Katie did. They they probably work in HR somewhere. <laughs> that you know, they they they're not you know. But they probably keep like a bowl of candy on their desk <laughs> to share with people. <laughs> no offense to anyone who works HR. I I if I was compared to a Katie did, I'd be very happy. But um, so just some life uh to go on to some life history of the Katie did, um. We'll start at mature Katie, Katie Dids, because that's kind of the stage we have right now. Um, they call to each other in August and early September. Um, both males and females will make sound, um, but the females have a less conspicuous call, and it's usually in response to a male. Most ortho in most orthopterans, the, the calling part Re, uh, falls on the the shoulders of the male. Uh, mo it's mostly the m male orthopterans that you hear, um, and then th there's a few examples where the the female will make like a, a response to it, and it, it is kind of like an inconspicuous click. But usually he has to text first. Yeah, he he has to text first. After the male and female mate. Uh, the female will find a place to lay her eggs. This is usually in the furrows of tree bark. Um, and she can use her long ovipositor to like get the eggs down into the crack where they'll be safer from uh, predators. Um, the eggs overwinter before they hatch in the springtime. So they, she puts them into the bark and they just sit until springtime. I did read the Wikipedia page for Katie Dids before we started this today, and their eggs are kind of cool. They, like, she, she lays, like, a little string of them, right? Uh -huh. it looks like a It looks like a braid or something. It's yeah. The adults die at the end of the growing season, so they have a lifespan of a year. In the springtime, the eggs hatch, and the nymphs molt, uh, molt multiple times throughout the summer until they are adults. Uh, so orthopterans are, uh, go through incomplete metamorphosis so they'll have uh, multiple larval stages where they look just like the uh, adult except for they're not sexually mature and they us usually don't have developed wings. Um, I couldn't find how many um, instars they had. Uh, instars is the number of basically larval molts they go through. Mm. Um, uh, there's just not a lot of research around katydids, and I think that, you know, partly because they just are pretty insignificant species. So they, they molt multiple times throughout the summer until they're adults, and then they go through the whole process again. But to, to, to continue that, I did find an interesting case study about Katie Dids, the the true Katie Did, um, uh, Terraphila uh, camillifolia. Uh, this is a 2009 study called Nightly and Seasonal Patterns of Calling and Common True Katie Dids. Um, this was done by some scientists at the uh, USGS, so the uh, United States Geological Survey, which is kind of interesting. Um, they, I don't really think of them as being involved with insects, but um, this study was from some scientists at the USGS. It was located in cause earthquakes. Yeah, it, at shocking breakthrough. <laughs> this is was located in Western Maryland. Um, the dominant uh, forest type was oak hickory forests. This study 
um, was published in 2009, but like the data collection happens in uh, August through October 2007. And kind of the background of this study is these uh, these scientists basically wanted to figure out if they're um, you know when do katydids call and is it weather dependent and weather being um, like temporal so what time of the night are they calling and is it um, influenced by rain temperature uh, anything like that the scientists noted that there was a past study showing that the snowy tree cricket which is another orthopteran but a different um, family uh, their call rate relate uh, correlates strongly with the um, outside temperature. They um, show that at a certain temperature, the calling habits stopped. And then there um, are certain times in the day when calling is uh, conducted. These scientists basically wanted to see if this happens uh, among the true katydids. The authors used recordings from a bird survey that was conducted on Backbone Mountain in Maryland. Basically, there's some uh, bird people uh, wondering, I don't know exactly what they're doing, but they had a bunch of microphones and recorders set up in the woods that would just record audio and they surveyed uh, the bird population there using the the audio and so um so basically since they already had these recordings they were like what else can we yes can we yeah study on yep them? and well, they just analyzed the you know this this data that had already existed and, and like the infrastructure for the data was already set up and everything had concluded with the bird survey and everything like that and the bird people were happy they analyzed 75 nights worth of data from sunrise. Uh, oh, it'd be from sunset to sunrise. They did it overnight. Um, the weather and official sunrise, uh, the official sunrise and sunset data was collected from the nearest weather station, which was about 1.5 kilometers away. For Americans, that's not even a mile. 50 of those nights, uh, Katie Dids were recorded calling. Um, and then nine of those nights they had to, nine of the nights, nine of the 50 nights that they heard Katie did, they had to throw out the data because they had missing uh, weather data. So they analyzed um, 41 nights of data. They broke up each hour into five minute segments throughout the night. And if they heard any Katie did, in that five minute segment, that segment was basically like a positive hit. Um, so that was, they, 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 you know, condensed their, their basically this data point as a, as a five minute segment. I am so impressed that scientists will sit here and do stuff like that because <laughs> that seems like a slog. <laughs> so uh, the results. Uh, the calls of the Katydid started on average um, 2.42 minutes after official dusk with a standard de deviation of 11.67 minutes. And um, so basically, it, it, the calls started around dusk. If you consider the standard deviations, the calls might have started a little before dusk 
or a little after dusk, but it, it was right around dusk. Um, and then the nights during calling, Katie did call for an average of 332 minutes with a standard deviation of 230 minutes. I'll, I'll kind of give a little more uh, analysis at, after I just kind of get out the results. Um, the average point in the night where Katie did stop calling continuously was uh, one, uh, 101 in the morning. Uh, uh, with a standard deviation of 155 minutes. The mean time when calling stopped completely was 3.58 a.m. with a standard deviation of 154 minutes. So that that's different from like the continuous calling. Continuous calling was basically the point where they stopped having calling every single five minutes. So then, so the continuous calling would stop at one, but they still might have like sporadic calls throughout the night until 4 a.m. Gotcha. The mean temperature when calling faltered was 17.8 degrees centigrade, that's 64 degrees Fahrenheit, with a standard deviation of 2.6 degrees centigrade. And then no katydids were um, detected after the 22nd of October for this results. Just looking at this data initially, the standard deviation for these points uh, is, is kind of big. So if you're calling for an average of 332 minutes, but you can have a, a one standard deviation is 230 minutes, I feel like that's like a, a really big difference. Yeah. Uh, even and, and like with the the mean time uh, that they stopped calling with 154 minutes of standard deviation and um, you know I I I appreciate the results but it, it seems like there was a lot of variation in in, in the data and um, so I I don't have any idea what they're if they could have like sampled for longer or anything like that but um i mean it was already such a big time sink. i mean if you're listening to 50 nights of yeah. data i mean you have to sit there for 50 nights yeah i mean what a i mean feat of manpower i wonder if that's something that ai is going to do for for oh. us in the future like maybe a positive thing that ai will do besides stealing from artists i don't i don't even think it like needs to be in uh, like ai in the like the traditional sense of ai i'm pretty sure there's like um like sound recognition software out there where if it you know you could just put in the the audio and it will go through the audio because it's all digital it's right. not like they're putting it on cassette tapes or whatever people put audio on and uh, <laughs> Recording it onto wax cylinders. Yeah, <laughs> just etching it into the into porcelain or whatever. And I would be interested to see how accurate this data is, if it can really... Because I feel like a Katie did call is pretty consistent. Like, there's not a lot of it. Like, you hear a Katie did call, and they all sound pretty similar. Right. Which, to Katie did's, I'm sure that they would be appalled <laughs> that I said that. <laughs> they, would, they, would they would be... They would be very racist. Yes. Yeah, right so, <laughs> and... Um, but I feel like that the software has been around and everything, but, um, I, I'm, I want to kind of revisit that point in just a little bit. 
Um, but so uh, there's one more kind of big section of results and this they use the logistical re, uh, regression and so if you don't know what, what that is uh, in very simple terms it compares two sets of data where if one sets of, one set of data goes up and the other set of data goes up that is like a positive um, that is like a, a positive result and so this basically ranks how positive or negative the result is. So it can go in the other direction. So say one, uh, one set of data goes up in value and the other goes down, that would be uh, you know, uh, a negative result. And what they found from the logistical regression was that um, these were like the biggest results. They did a bunch of other comparisons like Temperature, barometric, uh, barometric pressure, precipitation, time of night, um, date, precipitation, percentage, cloud cover, relative humidity. The biggest, um, the 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 biggest results were as temperature increased, calling increased, and then as rain increased, calling decreased. So Katie did's like the like the summer like the summer heat and our fair weather callers if it started raining they would usually kind of quiet down for the night and so kind of to to go back on where we were going to go with that conversation since this is like a relatively uh unimportant uh, unimportant economic insect uh, I, I found there is a strong uh, correlation between it being uh, unimportant economic insect and like the formal research done by scientists out there. Um, and I imagine that the people who did this um, study were had very little funding, were a very small kind of like group or department, and they just want probably did this more to for the fun of it than actually trying to get like funding through somewhere and so you know we talked about like there's probably good software out there or ai to like analyze this this these kinds of things um but they probably just didn't have the money like or the technology i mean, um, I mean that's all that stuff is brand new you know mm. that so it'll be interesting to see if it's like helpful or harmful in the scientific realm. It would probably be both. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm more, I'm more kind of thinking about how there is a lack of, um, there's a lack of funding, basically, but there's a lack of research on insects that aren't important. Um, economically important. Economically important. Katie dids are important to Katie. Dids. Yes, Katie dids are important to Katie dids, but uh, you know we get into uh, this idea of, uh, and again, I know I understand that scientists are working under a budget and under limited time, so you should probably put more research into insects that are uh, more impactful on humans. You know, would we really notice anything different besides? having a, a a lack of calls if katie dids just disappeared i never even noticed katie dids calling at all until you pointed out to me so yeah um but and they're not they're not like a glamorous insect they don't they don't eat a bunch of stuff and they're not um 
I don't know, famous, like bees and butterflies. So. Uh-huh. But it's interesting to kind of consider the amount of insects that just get uh, passed over every single day, even by scientists, because it's not what they have the money or time for. And um, God, there's probably all kinds of amazing Katie did discoveries. <laughs> yeah, just waiting to be happened. And I, I, I think that's uh, a big... Uh, a big problem with the the entomological field is that uh, there's just not enough funding or enough scientists to go around. If you consider, uh, you know, this this group of organisms that is so important and so diverse and and, and they're worldwide, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's they're on every and... every single continent and and why I learned on Wikipedia. Wikipedia said that some of them are carnivorous and eat lizards. Oh, really? Yeah. I did Wikipedia not hear. Wikipedia said it, so it must be uh, true. I'm sure I would be interested to see. I'm sure it's a very small lizard. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, get your friends invested in entomology, and if we have more entomologists out there, we'll force more funding. Yeah. That's how that works. Yeah. Um... <laughs> And we'll get to know more about insects. Um, but that kind of concludes our episode, episode for tonight. And I hope you tune in next week for our next episode. Ooh, what are we doing next week? Uh, that's going to be a surprise. Okay. You don't uh, know yet. I do. <laughs> but I'm not going out too far. Okay. But um, thank you. I am Ben. I'm Zilla. Uh, and this has been There Will Be Bugs.